the Shaq Master! Right. The Shaq Master! <laughs> I told you. Oh, God. You just gotta keep living, man. L I V I it's showtime. PG3 Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to P3 Radio. My name is Richard Mulligan, and I am joined by my best friend and co-host, Josh Briley. Say hey, Josh. How's it going, everybody? Tonight, we've got a big show planned for you. Who we got on? Tonight, Richard, we have a very special guest, Super Bowl champion Jabari Greer. Jabari was nice enough to stop by earlier this week and talk football, life events, and everything in between. So stick around, everyone, and enjoy the show. P3 Radio will be right back next. I got two months to lose all this weight for my high school reunion. Two months? What are you going to do? I have no idea. Well, I'll tell you what you should do. You should go down to 51 South Creek Drive and see Matt Hoover and all the guys at Maximum Health and Fitness. They're going to whip you into shape and help you reach your maximum potential. But I don't have time to work out. I mean, I don't want to get signed up in something and it not be for me. Don't worry about that. You mentioned this podcast, P3 Radio, and they're going to throw you a free trial membership. 51 South Creek Drive? 51 South Creek Drive off the South Highland right next to Los Portales. I'm telling you, they're going to help you reach your maximum fitness goals and get you into shape for your high school reunion. Well, thanks. I'm going to go see Matt and the guys at Maximum Health and Fitness. Maximum Health and Fitness. 51 South Creek Drive, Jackson, Tennessee. Ladies and gentlemen, right now joining us on the hotline from Southside High School and the University of Tennessee, he played football for the Buffalo Bills and won a Super Bowl with New Orleans Saints. And oh yeah, you might have seen him on a little sports channel known as the SEC Network. Please welcome to the show, the one and only Jabari Greer. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. I, I see that you have perfected the, the radio host voice. That's, that's pretty impressive, man. man that is pretty a, impressive. It was a lot of lonely nights at home on Friday with a karaoke machine and wrestling toys. Wow, that's awesome, man. <laughs> well, man, we're going to get right into it. Uh, I'm going to be that guy from Waterboy that gives you your old okay. high school stories. I saw you do this. I saw you do that. But one of the funniest okay. stories I ever saw. Uh, I don't know if you remember this or not. We had a motivational speaker at Southside High School who was a uh, USA Olympic volleyball guy. And uh, he called three guys out on the court. He called a a small girl. He called a non-athletic guy like myself out there. I wasn't out there, but another guy my type. And he called a young Jabari Greer out onto the court. Wow, uh, I don't remember that. And he said that if you three beat him in a volleyball game, he would buy you a steak dinner. So the first two <laughs> serves he does, he does a serve, hits the, hits a spike towards the girl. His only rule was he could hit the ball three times. Y'all could hit it three as a team. And he was setting himself up, spiking on the girl. He spikes on the other yeah. guy. Uh, he goes up to spike on you, and you knock it back over the net. He gets the ball back in control, goes to spike again, and you counter, block it, and score on him. He looks at you and goes... It must have been a long time since you've had a steak dinner, and he never hit it towards you again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't – did that really happen? Yes. I did not, I did yeah. not remember that. The wow, motivational speaker got shook. 
he was he was so mad. He was like this high school kid. He didn't know who he picked. He just picked you at random. Yeah. Like, Come on, kid. Oh, it was great. We, I mean, it was the biggest pop of that I've ever heard in a high school gym. So. Oh wow! You you know what, man? I, I think uh, it's really amazing um, how athletics have have been. How how God has used athletics in my life. You know, um, I think that over time, seeing exactly where sports has taken me. You know, not only from, you know, the parking lot on East Chester, in East Chester Church of Christ, really just running and, and, and sweating and trying to um, um, really get it out, get that, get that energy and that enthusiasm out. But, I mean, from the University of Tennessee to Hawaii, I've actually, sports has taken me over to London to call games, to Toronto. So it's really incredible about the power of um, athletics oh, and absolutely. how far it's taken me in my life. It's the only thing I feel that everybody can come together, watch, and not have any argument other than that other team's horrible and we're all together and we hate them. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so you brought it up. You played football at the University of Tennessee. Uh, I'm a huge Vols fan myself. Uh, okay. I would be remiss not to ask you the current state of the Vols. Do you think it's time for a reboot or do you think that it's just way too early to panic in some of these obsessed crazy fans like myself should just sit down and be quiet and just watch and enjoy the show well it's way too early because this is just the second game richard you right. never want to create instability this early in the season because the thing is that in reality fans think that just because they change a coach when they feel like changing them right. that then that's going to change the program but ultimately you're not only dealing with x's and o's you're not only dealing with uh, execution of plays, but you're dealing with uh, young minds. You're dealing with people who are invested in this coach, people who are invested in each other. And um, the this team isn't just it's, – it's a living organism. It's something that lives and breathes. And if you take away that, that stability, I mean, there's nothing that – there's really nothing good that can come from that. Unless these kids feel – unless they feel horribly oppressed, if they, if they feel as if – Butch is, you know, demeaning or mentally abusing, and that is the only way that a team can actually have success when their when their leader is taken away in uh, this early or in midseason. You know, this is just something that needs to be cleaned up on certain ends, uh, whether it's offense or defense. Right. Just need to do a, a few tweaks. You know, we were actually we were actually in that Florida game, but oh, yeah. through bad coverage, through bad coverage. And through um, uh, unfocused play, you know, uh, penalties and, 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 and letting men get behind us, we, we gave it away. So the yeah. thing is, is that you don't, you know, you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater, but you do institute discipline. That team doesn't need more discipline. Right. And, I mean, anybody that's screaming for uh, Butch Jones's head right now needs to go back and look how long it took us to get to a winning program after we left go of Fulmer. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, that's hard. You know, that's I, really hard. And I, yeah, I, I talked to Coach Foreman, man, and the thing is that they, they were screaming the same thing. Tennessee fans were screaming the same thing a couple of years ago when, when uh, Coach Foreman was um, was he was still successful, but right. he had a couple of lose, he, had, he had a you know a couple of subpar seasons. And the thing is that um, you know fans understand the power that they have right now because they never used to do that back in the day. You know, early '90s, you never right. had to call for a coach's head after you know, one or two seasons, but fans understand the power and we've lost the ability to, to ride it out with the person right. nowadays. You know, we have, we have this immediacy that we, we, we have this immediate need for gratification right, right. now. If we don't win, we, we, we can, we can, there's, there's, there's high turnover. 
So what I'm saying is that we need to be able to uh, weather the storm. We need to be able to adjust. Now, if we see him adjusting, then we ride with him. It's kind of like when when people nowadays, they log on to Facebook and they see, they post a picture and they want people to immediately like it. They want that instant gratification. So anytime they don't, they're like, why ain't people liking my picture? (laughs) I don't have any friends. (laughs) So, yeah. Let me ask you, Jabari, what's the loudest crowd you have ever played in front of, whether it be college or NFL or whatever? What's the loudest? And we might have to go second loudest here because... I mean, we know how many uh, Neyland Stadium can hold. Exactly, so. but, you know, doesn't yeah. hurt to ask. No, I mean, no, by far, no. You you would think that 106,000 would be the loudest, but by far the loudest had to be the um, the Seattle Seahawks Stadium. Oh, my wow. goodness. that was, Oh, yeah, that was by far the loudest stadium. And then second would have to be uh, the Superdome. Then it would be Neyland Stadium. And then wow. it would be LSU. Wow, that, that kind of hurts uh, my feelings uh, a little bit. <laughs> but you know, I, I, it's 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 not. It's actually it has it has nothing to do with the with with the fans. It has nothing right. to do with the. It's actually about. It's really about architecture. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. truly about architecture. The acoustics. The way, the way that this the place stadium, is built. Oh yeah, the way that the stadium is built in Seattle, it's literally on top of you. You know, Correct. the stands are, are are architecturally built so they can contain noise, and it is crazy. It is crazy loud out there. Uh, the Superdome, obviously, with it being inside and having that dome and the way that uh, it's structured, it just it, it creates like a vacuum, a vacuum of, of sound. And Neyland Stadium with 106,000 people, man, it's just it's one of those things that, you know, it's just the sheer number of people out there. It just, it's, it's loud. But I would definitely say the Seattle Seahawks Stadium. So what would you say is the most talented player, whether it be wide receiver, quarter, Whatever. What's the most talented player you've ever played against? Everybody at certain at a certain point, everybody is is good. Yeah. Right. You know, um, when I realized exactly the the level of talent when I came to the University of Tennessee, when um, these players that were all state, all American at their position, all came on one team, I realized that it wasn't you know this wasn't high school football anymore. But then you take the one percent of that and put it in the NFL, and this is a grown man's league. So um, the, the funny, the, well, the, the challenging thing about the NFL is that every week you're facing uh, seven, you know, a four-time All-American. Every week you're, you're facing somebody with some type of record, some type of, of, of uh, high school all-star. So, I mean, one week going against Larry Fitzgerald. Next week you're going against Terrell Owen. The following week you're going against Randy Moss. So it's like, all, then you're going against Steve Smith, so it's like it's hard to say, you know, who's the most talented. I would definitely. It, it's really like take your pick. What's your flavors? Do you like strawberry? You like mocha? Like what do you? What do you like? All of it's good. Ice cream. Ice cream is great. Ice cream <laughs> is really good. Right. It just depends on what you like. So one of the most impressive was Randy Moss. Though this right. is a guy that's six six. He he's big like an offensive lineman, but can move like a corner. That's horrible. Steve Smith is a guy. That, yeah, I mean he's extremely. <laughs> he's cat quick. Six six and cat quick. Uh, Steve Smith is a guy that has an abnormal, a superhuman desire to just win. I mean, some you you meet you meet some people in the NFL that are kind of like superhuman. Some guys are you know strong. Some guys are fast. But you know you meet some guys who have the innate and superhuman ability to just be consistent every single day, all, almost robotic. Two guys that come to my mind are Drew Brees and London Fletcher. Now, when I, when I tell you 
that I could tell you exactly where Drew Brees or London Fletcher was going to be any given time of the day. When we were in the facility, <laughs> I knew their routine because they did the exact same thing every day from the, from the first day of camp to, to the last day leading up to the last game. Wow. It was, I mean, it's incredible. It really is. And then you get, you go up against a guy like Steve Smith, a guy that will, that you're not going to outwork, that will drive himself into the grave until he beats you. You know, it's, it's, right. like you, you just don't, you don't, you don't meet those people on the street that have a superhuman desire to win. Right. like you do in the NFL. It's, it's really impressive. It really is. Well, since you brought it up, let's talk about your uh, Super Bowl teammates. Oh. Super Bowl 44. Uh, this is something I've okay. always wondered. You guys were down at the half, uh, three or four points. Y'all come out the second half and make this gutsy call to kick an onside kick. Is that something y'all oh. had practiced, or is that something like decided in the middle of a game just to do? No, so he actually told us uh, the night before to not be surprised if he called an onside kick. So wow. we knew, well, I mean, it was, it was in passing. And it wasn't something that stuck with us until uh, we were in the locker room doing halftime, and he told us he's going to come out the second half with the onside kick. And sure enough, he did wow. it. So wow. that was just one of those calls that, I mean, he informed the team. He let us know he was going to do it. And uh, in actuality, you actually have to make that play. You have to make – You not only you have to call that play, but you have to make it. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot to go into execution. Right. There's a that's, lot to go into execution, but there's a, there's a lot of guts to go into that call as well. Oh, gosh, yeah, because if he misses that, then he's on the hot seat automatically next year. I mean, oh, of course, of uh, course. That's, that's just crazy. What's the best advice you've ever received, and what's the best advice you could give someone striving to be successful in any endeavor? Oh, wow. Um, I think some of the best advice I, re- I received came from just being around some of the guys. So the best advice that I received was to be open and to seek knowledge. Um, when I was an undrafted free agent, one thing that I do, one thing that I, I, I prided myself in is that I would often sit at the table with older, more established veterans, some of my starters, guys who have been in the league, future Hall of Famers, London Fletcher, uh, Takeo Spikes, uh, uh, Lori Malloy, um, Troy Benson, I would literally sit at the table with these guys and just like pick their brain and try to just be around them, figure out how they got so successful in the NFL. And I'm, not, I'm and this was at a point where I was not even considered uh, to make the team. I just literally soaked up the information because I wanted to be where they where they were. Anybody who has a strong desire, whether you're in radio, whether you are in you're an architect, whether you're, whether you're a lawyer, you have to be willing to learn from somebody that's doing what you want to do. You know, I think that's the power. I mean, that is that's truly the power because if you can't if you can't see it, if you if you honestly can't see the what you want to be, if you don't know anybody, then how can you truly understand what it takes? How can you truly understand um, the steps that it takes to actually make it happen? So, right. um, uh, and I guess the the best advice that I would give to someone to understand that no matter what you choose to do, no matter what your dream is that you're going to have 2 a.m. problems, 2 a.m. problems, no matter what it is. In professional football, there were nights I would have, I, I, that I would have to wake up at 4 o'clock to go run, that I would have to deal with issues at 2 o'clock to be – I couldn't go to bed until 2 o'clock <laughs> because I had to study film. Right. I had to study film, and I had, I had to do that, that, that work that people don't see that uh, that matters on Sunday. People don't see the the film study. They don't see the the workouts. They don't see 
the sweating in the off season. They don't see the intentional eating, the, uh, the you know, the massages and things that you do have to take care of your body. So you understand that no matter what you do, there's going to be some 2 a.m. problems. You have to figure out, like, are those 2 a.m. problems worth me going through to get this ultimate goal? Right. Because yeah, at that level, everyone has talent. And, you know, for somebody sitting on the couch, they can look at and go, oh, that's just God-given talent that guy has. But they don't realize everyone there has talent, and you have to put that work in if you're going to be at that top level. Oh, of course. And just imagine, man. I mean, say that, you know, you continue to do this podcast. You continue to do bigger and better things, man. You, you become a, you know, a radio host or, or, you know, ESPN radio. There's going to be, you know, that, that's the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate dream. But there's going to be some issues. There's going to be some problems. There's going to be many, many hours of work behind the screen, uh, 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 behind the booth and behind the camera that you're going to have to put in to make that happen. Am I willing to put that work in to get that ultimate goal? Now, things look nice. They look shiny, but they take a lot of work, and they take a lot of sweat, and they take a, they, there's going to be long nights. And you got to realize, like, am I willing to put in those long nights to get that ultimate goal? Right. And it really just takes about two years, honestly. You know, two years <laughs> of, like, grinding out. Right. Really, I mean, that's what I, it just takes about, about two years, two years of <laughs> ultimate grinding out to get that ultimate goal. All right, so Jabari, mm-hmm. we're not going to hold you up too long, man. We know you got stuff to do. Josh, you wanted to mention something there? I just wanted to know, man, what was your main motivation in starting the Greer campaign? Oh, wow. Uh, so when I was, uh, I believe I was 21 or 22, um, there was a, a good friend, and you actually might know him, Paul Williams. He was a guy that uh, a couple, couple grades older, older yeah. than me. Um, we would always keep in contact. You know, we would always keep in contact. And I was in Buffalo, and um, I was young, but we had um, had children at an early age. Right. Uh, so remember. my my daughter, yeah, my daughter was uh, one. I was twenty three when my daughter was born, and twenty no twenty two when my daughter was born, no twenty one when my daughter was born, twenty two when my son was born, and so I remember that I uh, I was living out this dream. From the outside in, I had everything. You know, I was a professional football player, um, having um, whatever everybody considered was outward success. But inside, I couldn't be the father that I wanted to be to my children because they were, you know, still in Tennessee. And it was, it was, it was devastating. You know, it really was. And I had this, this burden on my heart that I couldn't express. Honestly, I felt alone. I honestly felt isolated. So I remember Paul called me up one day, and he telling me about situations that he's going through in his life as a father. And he said, he told me, he told me this story about how he is, he was raising his child and he was having issues with the mother. And he, at the end of the, the the end of the story, he tells me that he feels alone. He felt isolated. And I realized at that point, there needed to be a place in which fathers could come together. We no longer had to feel alone. The truth is, is that fatherhood is one of the most challenging jobs that we could possibly do okay. right yeah one of the most challenging jobs that we can possibly do and the, the the narrative around fatherhood in our culture is that we are to bear the burden in silence you know strength is considered somebody just bearing the pressure of providing for his family and not either complaining or saying anything but the truth is that uh, there are so many men out here that are silently struggling we don't have that healthy outlet to express exactly how tough this job is. Exactly. 
so we want we wanted to be able to provide a platform where we can say, you know what, man, like I'm having a hard time with you know my two year old. I'm having a hard time with this insecurity that I feel about maybe a, a lack of respect in my house. Maybe I have a you know I'm, I'm I'm dealing with issues and my my daughter. You know how do I get her? How do I connect with her? You know how do so these are issues that I, I feel alone because I I feel like I am the only person that is called to protect and provide for my home. It's like right. these situations are real and they go through they they go through father's head and we need an opportunity to be able to express them and say you know what man. I, I get that. I do understand it. And I've been I've been through it. And this is what I've done to get out of it. So that's why we started it, man. We, we, we you know, we wanted to be able to give guys a platform to be open and be vulnerable, man. And the truth is, is when we did it, when guys got around the table, man, it was amazing how God worked. So it was incredible. It really was. And not to be goofy or silly, this was a conversation we had last week that hasn't aired yet. But we were sitting here talking on, on our own little support group, me here and Josh. We have a... Uh, we both have kids, and we were sitting there going, no one ever tells you this, and they never mm. ever tell you that. The one thing they never tell you about is that diaper that goes up the back, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> How definitely. did it get on the collar? You know, that kind of thing. And we're trying mm-hmm. not to be silly. Yeah. But yeah, that's stuff no one ever tells you. And just to have a support system there to talk about anything, and that's a small thing, but, I mean, you're reaching out and doing bigger things. That's great. This man right here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, one day after I messaged him, uh, this is a Super Bowl winning champion that is on a network television show talking sports, immediately texted me back, said, let's do it. I think that speaks to his character and how great of a guy he is. So this foundation is no surprise to me that you're doing that. Once again, we'd like to thank you. Uh, you can see Jabari Greer on the TSN network now. He is a former Vol and more importantly, a former Southside Hawk. Here's my last question and we'll wrap up. Do you remember the Southside High School fight song, and can you sing it? The one we sing at graduation. Uh, I do not. <laughs> oh, I do not. How did, well, that's okay. I do not. How did, it, how did it go? Well, half of my graduation class didn't know it either, and it, was, oh. it wasn't a big deal. I mean, Miss Tucker looked at us very angrily, but uh, it goes. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll refresh your memory. We'll throw some Southside okay. pride here. We sing with pride about dear Southside days with you. We know will ever be a cherished memory. Much to you we owe. Oh, 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 okay, okay. Can yeah. you finish it? No, Can I don't fi- remember nope. that. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. No. Well, Jabari, man, not at all. <laughs> Jabari Greer on the TSN Network. Thank you so much for being a part of the P3 podcast. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great one. Hey, this is your boy Greer, and you're listening to P3 Radio. You know, naturally, you've always talked a little more. I'm the kind of guy that soaks stuff in, and then I'll play off of it. Like earlier when I told you to plug into the left side, and you're like, which side? Are you soaking that in? <laughs> Why not? Um, all right, so. I, I think guess, we've been. I guess I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, you know, Jay and Silent Bob. Bob was perfectly happy being who he was. 
And Jay was perfectly happy being who he was. Yeah, but you can't be silent when we do a podcast. I understand that. But you said you didn't want to talk more, and I just said that you naturally do. You uh. always have. So that's what I Why was... Why would the day be any different? <laughs> that's what I said. Oh, yeah. How could I have taken that any other way? <laughs> I mean, you talk all the time anyway. I guess you should talk more. <laughs> well, look where it's got us. Five episodes into a podcast, only 30 people have heard. <laughs> Woo! The- on top of the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've uh, had fun. If mom... I've Grandma had fun. Can see me now. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth, and then you're like, "Ooh." Um, Did I sound angry when I said it? Because I'm passive aggressive more. <laughs> I mean, you talk all the time, anyways. That's not passive aggressive. If I was being passive aggressive, I'd be talking like this, kinda like like I am now. <laughs> Why are you being passive aggressive? I now? am now. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't, but I, I am now. What I was gonna, what I was gonna tell you, I started this. I think uh, I'm gonna tell you, you owe me two hundred dollars. How the f- would you lift this up to get a phone if it was to fall in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> you dropped the phone. In the I'm talking about it's right in this angle, and I'm thinking we're gonna have to lift this whole <laughs> up. No, you, we can pull this back. It'll be all right. Do you need it right now? Oh, yes, you need it for the interview, don't you? <laughs> I guess. Uh, nah. Yeah, I'll just, just wing it. there so it can possibly spill. I'll just <laughs> okay. wing it. I'll wing it. Just dig your hand down in there. I don't think there's too much sharp stuff in there. I'm not five, Richard. I'll have to dig up under there. I'm going to let it was centerized. Found a novel. Found a novel? It's very novel of you. If it bites you... Just let it happen. <laughs> How would you even go about dropping this in here? I don't know. You did it. Maybe I should ask you that question. No, the novel. Uh, I probably just slid it on. Don't a drop. Damn yearbook. <laughs> I said it felt like a yearbook. It probably was a yearbook, wasn't it? <laughs> That's a microphone. microphone. Yes. Don't drop your glasses down there. <laughs> I don't know how you dropped it. In this crease right here. It's all in the back. I can still hear every word you're saying, by the way. Oh, here's a gift card. <laughs> Ooh, a quarter. I'm serious. How am I going to get my phone? <laughs> Why don't you put that blanket over the crack there so you don't drop it in? I love how you were telling me, by the way, that you weren't five. And you just dropped the phone into the couch, and we're worried. And you were worried like it was gone forever. <laughs> but I'm not five. I know how to get it out. I'm not. Uh, I was gonna tell you. I um, I was sitting here looking at my phone just a minute ago, and I have this new uh, app on here called the LG Health Track. Got an LG phone, and what it does is it like if you set it up it monitors your steps in the day and how many how much walking you've done how many minutes you've walked and everything so this morning i went to the gym and did my thing at the gym and then i um when i got done uh i went to to a school and did a lot of walking around there and it told me like by like eight o'clock that i had gotten all my steps in for the day so uh it's been telling me you're doing great all day long so today it just went off and it said you've moved 
far more in the morning than in the afternoon. <laughs> Try to walk as much as you can. I'm like, is my phone insulting me? We noticed how fat you are. <laughs> I think your phone's being passive aggressive. Yeah. Maybe maybe you should do a setup. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tubby, step away from the uh, pizza right there. Remember that commercial you were doing? <laughs> maybe you should uh, take heed. But I did. I mean, I went to the gym this morning at 5 a.m. That's where I was. At 5 a.m.? Yes. You woke up at possibly oh, no, no, no. I was up at 5 and at the gym at 5.10. What time did you leave the gym? Uh, I had a shower there and went to work at 6.57. Let me ask you something. Yeah. You ever had any weird encounters in the shower at a gym? No, it's not prison. It's I understand a, it's a that. It's a gym. I pay a membership to be there. That's <laughs> what you're wondering. No. My buddies... My Hunter buddy. and David. Well, anyhow, uh, they said this guy, when they would go in, they would work out, and then they would always go in the locker room and take a shower and then, you know, go home or whatever. And it was always after third shift. They said the guy, he was like probably in his 50s. He was just all, he was one of them guys, you know, just weird. Said he would stand in the locker room and he'd just have socks on. And he'd like prop his foot up on one of the benches and he was schlong all hanging out and <laughs> looked like an anteater. And they said that like I think he was just putting his clothes on or something. Like he was changing, he was in his underwear, he's putting his clothes back on or whatever. And they said they had this kind of like a, a glass wall that goes from the I think the sauna and then into the the locker room they said that old guy was in the glass the the glass door or whatever off looking at david dress or put his clothes back on that's weird <laughs> and i'm talking about hunter seen it david seen it and i was like david what the hell did you do he said i got weirded out put my clothes on faster and got out of there <laughs> but that is so... How would you handle a situation like that? You personally, how would you handle a situation like that? Would you punch the guy out? Maybe go the opposite way, be like, I'm so honored. <laughs> <laughs> I've never looked at it that Maybe way. Maybe pull out my phone, start Facebook loving. <laughs> <laughs> Look at what I got shaming today. Him, shaming him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I knew I should have shaved last night, and this is why. This is what you get. This is compliments right That's here. That's what people. you get when you. This when is you the shave. biggest compliment at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I saw you out there on the road machine. <laughs> you got my blood pumping, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell. Mm-hmm. Evidently, <laughs> the anteater is searching for victims. No, technically that would be a crime. That's uh, yeah, I know. I told him that, and yeah. he was like, Ugh. "Well, that song means we are absolutely all out of time." We'd like to thank everybody for listening to today's episode, and please join us on Facebook at Pop Poncho, or text or call us at seven three one three hundred more. That's seven three one three hundred six six seven five. Well, thanks once again, and for Josh Briley, I am Richard Mulliken saying thanks and good night. PG3 Radio.